It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors, Drogheda, Dundalk and Cavan. We want you to challenge us for the best deal on a new Renault or Dacia in 2020. You can now inquire at blackstonemotors.ie. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Tuesday afternoon's Late Lunch on LMFM Radio. Do you notice the pep in my step? I love being here, as you know, every day for these couple of hours, but I especially love it when he comes calling. Who am I talking about? It's Mr. Magic himself, Keith Barry. Welcome back to the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's always great to be here. My favourite radio station. You won't hear me saying that anywhere else, I can tell you. I'm, I'm on, uh, I'm on, I'm on uh, what, what, what we call it, a sister radio station next week and I won't be saying that they're my favourite. There you go. <laughs> Thank you so much. Look, it's great to see you again. Great to have you with us. And also joining us today, one of your biggest fans. And late lunch listeners may not know this and she's one of our most adored and we really love her we do it's our book woman it's book club on late lunch margaret madden welcome to the show am i mad am i mad you're bringing me <laughs> well, here with a mentalist well well <laughs> could be it well, could be let's, you let's, never know what might happen let's see and talking about uh women that in my life who i really appreciate louise waltz Aww. my producer is in studio with me I'm today shaking. oh brilliant <laughs> well, it's only it's only people who shake have something to hide just so we're aware well, let's well let let's let me tell them why you're here for us because Keith is bringing his insanity tour to the northeast, the Barbican Centre in Drogheda on Saturday, the twenty second of February. Tickets from Ticketmaster or the Barbican, you yeah. can contact them there. It itself, they're going really well. So if you want to go along, you better get your ticket soon. And also, you've added extra dates in the Olympia, fifth, sixth, seventh of March. Yeah, yeah, we've added on the seventh, fifth, and sixth are almost sold out. There is a few tickets left for boat nights, uh, but heading towards sellout. So we've added on the 7th of March then as well so we're there for three nights and it is my most insane show to date it's getting crazier and crazier I have seen people you know who've been at your shows in the last week or so saying we have never ever seen anything like this with Keith Barry but here I have to ask you yeah. what about that woman in Arklo <laughs> you have to tell them about the woman in Arklo what happened so I was doing this demonstration on stage during the Insanity show and it's a demonstration based around Kim Peek so Kim Peek uh, is the original Rain Man and he was the inspiration actually behind Rain Man the movie and he had an amazing brain as a matter of fact Kim Peek he could memorise every single number that every, he ever saw including the thousands and thousands of number plates that just whizzed past him in his life and he memorised 15,000 books so I was doing a, a giant memory demonstration uh, on stage and I was memorising basically uh, 60 digits that the audience had came up with at random and in the middle of this thing now I, this is the moment the only moment of the whole show where I need complete quietness because I'm really actually doing what I'm saying I'm doing I'm memorising all these numbers and this woman uh, that basically she just started screaming up 
he's wearing earpieces, he's wearing earpieces. And I was in the middle of the thing and I didn't want to stop. But then because everybody else was being quiet at that specific moment in time, that was the only voice you could kind of hear. And she kept doing it. Earpiece, earpiece. So I just stopped the show. And I said, okay, come on up and uh, check me for earpieces. And then she got all embarrassed. She didn't want to get up. And I said, uh, and I won't say what I actually said, but, but I said, if you're going to be like that, I said, own your SH and finish the sentence yourself. So then she came up and then she went to come on the stage and then I stopped her from coming on the stage. I was like, well, I said, I don't allow people like you on the stage. And then it was like, ooh, yeah. yeah. And, but then I gave her a torch and then I said, look in my ears. And then the audience, of course, started cheering for me because there was no earpieces. But then she started banging, like touching my mic with her finger. And she was like, what's this? I was like, it's a microphone so everybody can hear. So then she said, take that off. So I did. I took that off as well. So I was bare. And then I did the whole thing. And it kind of, I suppose it ended up adding to it because, you know, there's a huge cheer at the end. And then I'll be honest, I kind of took the mick out of her for the rest of the time. Yeah. So, so if you're going to come for me, you know, be prepared for the repercussions you is what I'll say. better be ready. She this man is sharp. Oh, she didn't apologise. Now, these people don't apologise, but look, I don't mind oh. people having banter and having a bit of fun, but when it becomes disruptive to the show, I've got to shut it down pretty yeah, quick. So sure. so people commented on that on Twitter and stuff, and they said it was a great show, and they particularly enjoyed the point where I shut the heckler down, you know? Oh, I was looking at it. That's why I raised it today. I wanted you to yeah, chat yeah. about it. So just a warning to you. If you go, don't take this man on. Anyway, you've brought... A box of Scrabble. Can I tell you, I bought Scrabble two years ago at Christmas in Waterstones. I was buying books and I bought a couple of games mm. and it's still in the box. Oh, Like the no. bread maker, Louise, yeah, you know, and everything and else. I never took it out. You have Scrabble. Yes, yeah, so I, I'm a big proponent of families getting together over board games and card games and books and stuff like that. So I was just explaining, like, I literally just built a library out my back garden, a log cabin library. So uh, over Christmas, I mean, I know it's kind of a distant memory now, I played the three games that I've played were and I'd highly recommend them by the way uh, Exploding Kittens is a card game it's brilliant Selfish is another card game and then Scrabble so I, I grabbed the Scrabble box today and I thought we'd have a game of mental Scrabble so so uh, who do you, do you want Louise or you to do this Louise okay Louise. I like that Louise do this okay so Louise <laughs> yeah. um, I, I've got the little holder here for the Scrabble piece so I'm going to okay. I'm going to write down a word or not write down I'm going to use the pieces and I'm going to put down a word on the holder and let's just use I don't want you to see what the letters are but you can look at me as I'm putting them in and I want you out loud to the people at home you can't see what I'm putting down can you what letters no. I'm putting down that's important because the holder is here for that reason so once you put it into the holder you can't see what letters there are now I'm looking for a specific letter here Let me, oh there we go found it takes a second okay oh I'm going to change that letter out and have a guess what do you think it is I mean you won't guess you won't be able to guess, guess no. but try and guess if random you yeah, no, it's not random. It's just the word "toad" is all I've written down. T O A D, toad. I see. Okay, that. Yeah. so you're going to put down a word into uh, the holder at random. Now I want you to be be kind of really random about this. Okay. So nothing to do with Jerry, nothing to do about books, nothing to do about me. The most random words. Think of a random word now. Okay. And then use the Scrabble tiles and put the random word into the holder. Can it be as many letters as I want? Or? Yeah, as many letters fit into the holder. Yeah. So I think there's about enough for about eight letters. And I'll close my eyes and look the other way. Okay. And when you have a word formed, let me know. So Jerry, in the first half of the Insanity Show, I talk about the most insane characters from history that I could find. So Edward Monk, who was going through, uh, he's most famously known for the Scream painting. And he was going through electroshock therapy as he was doing that. So every night I get electrocuted on stage and I've actually got an electroshock wand in studio here tonight. Oh, so in a few moments, 
moments. Uh, Margaret, Margaret, you're going to electrocute me in the head in a few moments' time. Okay. And um, once it's not the other way around. And I also, I also do a demonstration based around Rasputin, the mad monk, and apparently he had supernatural powers. So every night I bring somebody up on stage and I give them supernatural powers, and they gain more strength, flexibility, and balance than they've ever had. And then the second half, I turn the tide on the audience and I get them to think of the most insane things that they've ever done, and I hack into their brains and figure out those insane things so Louise let me know when you're finished oh it's done okay make sure cover up the holder as well with your hands and everything to make sure there's no way I could see the word okay can I look at you yeah without seeing good Jerry did you see what the word is I didn't see what no, it is so nobody would you agree right now in studio nobody except Louise would know that absolutely. word absolutely yeah. okay. and, and I want to tell listeners again Margaret you can vouch for this he's had his hand over his eyes there yeah. and looking down at the desk as he spoke away there didn't see anything You're, nor myself or Margaret we've seen Louise is covering that with our life there look at her hands over the scrap so have you ever heard of 20 questions yeah okay yeah. it's a game where you try and guess what somebody's thinking by asking 20 questions I'm going to ask you three questions okay and these three questions should give me some kind of a, a hint as to what your word is okay right. so uh, make sure to cover it up okay you can use um, there's a cloth bag there if you want to use a cloth bag there we go okay so I'll look the other way C- cover it up good so Louise look at me um, focus on the word I'm going to ask you two questions we'll okay. say instead of three two questions and these questions will give me all the information I need to know would you rather know how you die or when you die oh gosh um, see I've caught you off guard there which is interesting you did yeah I thought it was a question to do with the word it is to do with the is word it? it just okay. doesn't seem like it <laughs> <laughs> actually when I think of the word now I can see where you're going with it it's um, when I die when you die mm. uh, with you as opposed to Jerry with you it'll be a Monday just okay. so you know it'll be a Monday Every Monday now that she Every Monday, so she's going to be wondering is that the day? Okay. If you don't you know, appear in the little regular. Yaris out in the car park by the usual time, okay. I'll be thinking now. And, and just one other question. Would you rather Leo or Mihal? Oh, Mihal. Oh, there we go. Straight that was away. very definitive. Did that you notice that? Really? Oh, yeah. Controversial. Okay, that tends to tell me that your, mm. uh, your word starts with a C. Is that correct? Yes. Yes, good. Okay, now focus on... The, <laughs> I know it's weird. Name. Now, in, in your mind, I want you to imagine that you could reach up into the centre of the word. And if there... Uh, try and do this. If there's a letter around the centre of the word, if you can, think of a fruit starting with that letter. Are you able to do that? Yes. Okay, whatever the spelling of the fruit is, think of the last letter of the spelling of the fruit and think of, if you can, an animal starting with that letter. Are you able to do that? No. No? No. Okay. Uh, Visualise the colour of the fruit. Is the fruit... Yes. Okay, is the fruit... Orange? No. no. brownie. Kind of a brownie. Yeah, yeah. brownie. You think of a kiwi? Yeah. Yeah, I thought so. Okay, look at me. Focus on the word now. Uh, and the number 14 comes to mind. Does that mean anything? No. Because I'm inside your subconscious mind now. And the f- number 14 keeps coming and coming and coming. No. Okay, we'll get back to 14 in a moment. Look at me. Imagine the word. See the word in your mind's eye now. Don't say it. Just think it. Uh, say it over and over and over again like... Uh, oh, cooking, cooking, cooking. <laughs> yeah. Was that it? It really That's was? Beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> okay, show Jerry. Show me. Show me. Turn around. And what? Oh, my word. Oh, oh wow. Well, here's the interesting cooking. Jerry, add up the numbers on each tile. Okay. Add up the numbers. Because each Scrabble tile has a number. It does add up Okay, the I love this. Three plus one plus one plus five plus one plus one plus two. That's five, ten... 14. Huh? 14 straight from your subconscious mind. <laughs> <laughs> Margaret, That's Margaret, amazing. only for you see this, w- would you believe it really? Let me take, I have to take a picture of that. Look at that there. Okay. Margaret, I want you to think uh, of a random word. Okay. okay. Have you got one in mind, yes? Yes. Okay, if you can, I don't know if you can or not, I want you to form a picture out of this. Are you able to do that? Just yes or no? 
like, oh. a, like an image. Oh, you right, sorry. Fit. I thought you meant literally draw a picture of it. No, no. But, but, well, <laughs> well, I could do that too, if, but take yeah, a while. Well, if you can, just do it in your mind, okay? And because images are more difficult for me to extract than words. So cooking is obviously a word, and I could go letter by letter. But with you, I want you to see this as an image okay. in your mind, okay? Now, Edward Monk, most famously known for painting the scream painting, I mentioned him to you. He was getting electroshock therapy, and I brought along electroshock wand here. Now, this is kind of a downgraded uh, cattle prod, uh, but it does give quite a bang, okay? And in a moment, you're going to electrocute me in the head with this. And the moment you do that, I want you to draw whatever it is that you've got in your mind. Now, it's important that people at home really realise you haven't told me what you're thinking of, you haven't told Jerry, you haven't told anybody. No. No, okay? Uh, you're going to press down the button there, that'll charge it up. Go ahead and take it, okay? Uh, be uh, careful. What do you press want me to do button. with it? You yeah. want me to actually electrocute Yeah, you're going to electrocute. I'll tell you how to do it. Okay, press down the button. Okay, good. And just aim it. Now, be careful of my eyeball. You don't want to do that. Okay. And the moment you hit me in the head, whatever it is that you're thinking of, I want you to start to draw it in your mind. Okay, my, my eyeball. Though. So you're going to hit me in the temple here. Okay. Okay. Okay, go ahead and do that for me now. And the moment you do that, I need you to draw in your mind. Okay. And go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, okay. Jesus. Now that really hurt, and you saw the you saw it arc into my into my head. Okay, uh, keep look at me, look at me, keep drawing, keep drawing, keep drawing. Okay, good. Okay, keep drawing in your mind. Okay, keep drawing, keep drawing. I don't know what this is yet, Jerry. It's kind of scribbly. Okay, uh, let's do that and that and that. Okay, there's more kind of. There's not too many straight lines in this. Uh, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if I got it right. Like really. Okay, I'm going to go with this. I'm going to show Jerry first. And you could have thought of anything. And you've got one thing in mind. Okay, that's what I've drawn, Jerry. Okay, out loud, what are you thinking of? Flamingo. A flamingo, have a look. Oh, sweet Jesus. A flamingo. Exactly what I just drew. Louise, will you verify that, will you? Absolutely. Oh, and you're my. a fantastic artist. Can I keep that? Yes, you can keep it. I'll sign it. Yeah. It's all on yeah. eBay. You might oh, get a euro. My, oh, my. <laughs> anyway, we have to take a short break to pay the ad man, Keith Barry, uh, as you. usual, mesmerising. More from the great man in a couple of moments. Keith Barry's with us in the house. He's mesmerising us here as usual. Margaret Madden's here. Louise Walsh is in studio as well. And I want to remind you, his brand new show, Insanity, it's coming to the Barbican in Drogheda on Saturday, the 22nd of February. We have a pair of tickets to give away. Here's what you've got to do. What's the most insane thing you've done or thought of doing, Keith? Which either you, are, either yeah, are. You've done or thought of doing in your life. The most insane thing you've done or thought of doing in your life, 086-1800-658. Tell us now. WhatsApp or text. WhatsApp or text us now. 086-1800-658. The most insane thing you've done or thought of doing in your life. And we'll pick a winner for the pair of tickets before the show. Have you... You've done crazy things in your yeah, time. Yeah, everything that I do is a bit insane. <laughs> Hang, hanging upside down outside the RT studios yes. last year. And we're in uh, pre-production season two of the Keith uh, Barry experience. Listen, brilliant. So, Absolutely brilliant show. And I will go along. Keep me a ticket thanks. this time. I couldn't get along to the... Remember the night the last yeah, time? Yeah, we'll figure it out. I want to go and see it for sure. Now, Margaret Madden, you know, brings us Late Lunch, Late Lunch Book Club. And she is this Thursday again. Mm. She has our recommendations. She loves books. She's a massive library of books. You're going to do something with books. Yeah, I have, a mad, I have a mad library of books as well. So I've got this book, A Case of Intuition. And I do believe that certain people have kind of a heightened level of intuition. So we'll do... I, I'll tell you what, I wasn't even planning on this. I just had this book in my bag and, and you mentioned at last minute that Margaret was coming yes. in. So, so here's what we'll use Louise and Margaret. How okay. about that? Okay, great. Okay, so uh, first of all, you Louise, uh, I'm going to flick through the book uh, okay. and can you confirm first of all, before we even do this, that if you look at the top of the book, like the first word, that all the words are different. 
They are, yeah. Yeah, it's just a book. Okay, as I go through, you'll say stop anytime you want. I'll look away. And when you say stop, make sure I stop exactly where you say. Otherwise, we can keep going, okay? So say stop. stop. There? Yeah. Okay, remember the first word at the top of that page. Gotcha. Okay, got it? Okay, whatever that word is, whatever that word is, just in your mind, think of that word, okay? Keep mm-hmm. thinking of that word. Don't say it, just think of it. And, but for you, Margaret, let's do this a little bit differently. But there's a couple of hundred thousand words, I'm sure, in this book. You're going to go through the book. You're going to choose any page that you want, okay? And then you're going to think of a challenging word. What, what I mean by that is a nice, big, long word, like 10 letters or more. Okay, so go ahead, have a, have a look. Uh, as we do that, um, I'll turn back to you. There's no way anybody could know the word that you're thinking of. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. Okay, you're going to tell me clues about this word. There'll be non-verbal clues. So I'm going to look for certain variations in your eye dilation. Okay, Margaret, when you've got a word, just close the book up. Big, long, challenging word. Okay, look at me. Z-Y-X-W-V-U-T-S-R-Q-P-O-N-M-L-K-J-C-F-E-D-C-B-A. That's the alphabet backwards. The first letter is a C. Is that correct? Yeah. Yes, good. Okay, we got a word, Margaret. Okay, notice where I guessed the first letter of hers. Jerry, I'm going to put you on the spot here. I want you to see, can you guess the first letter in Margaret's word? Me? Yeah, yeah. Look for pupil dilation. Look for the way she reacts to what you say. Go for it, Jerry. I've been coming here for years. I'm sure you've picked up some uh, some little idiosyncrasies. Uh, no, no, he's really... <laughs> Come on, Jerry, you can do it. Go. F. Was the first letter an F? Good guess, but wrong. But you were just guessing. <laughs> what was the first letter? Just so you know he was wrong. G. G. Oh, why didn't I go with my initials? Yeah, okay, go on. You know, you walk away. Leave me out of this. Don't be putting me on the spot. Why G, not? So G is, G is Margaret's spot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And what did you say Louise's was? Uh, so the first letter is a C. Yeah. C. Okay, folks, on the second letter of yours, uh, that was an A, yes? <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh, second letter of yours. Focus on yours, Z-Y-X-W-V-T-S, R. R. Second letter is an R? Yes. Yes, good. Okay, Focus on yours over here, Louise. Now, there's... Confirm, Margaret. There's hundreds and hundreds of thousands of words. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a regular size book. Okay, look at me. Uh, Focus on your word first. Okay. Your word is slightly smaller than than Margaret's. Margaret's is almost like yours. It's almost like there's two words in one. Does that make sense? Correct. Okay, good. Focus on the second word. My mind is screwed (laughs) up here. (laughs) Focus on the second word. Imagine the second word is separate. Was that a Y it starts with? Yes. Yes, good. Thank you. Okay. Uh, okay, I'm going to go. Look at me. Look at me. Look at me. Okay, good. Okay, this is hard doing two, two, one. I've never done this before uh, this way. I'm going to go with this and this. Okay, I've written down two words. Jerry, I'll show you. And simultaneously, I want you to call out loud the words when I count to three. And if I get it right, Jerry will react. Okay, three, two, one. Catch fraud. Graveyard and catch. <laughs> yes. What did I write down? Oh my God. Catch and graveyard. <laughs> Do you I'm know what you were like mind. there for a moment? Like, I described the scene. Keith's in the middle. The two ladies are each side of him. And it was like a tennis match. Yeah, it, was like, it felt like a tennis match. 100 mile an hour from one to the other. So how does he do How do you do it? How do you do that? I'm so glad I don't but know it, my but bank it, account. But here's another thing about, about the insanity show, right? I mentioned insane thoughts. And I know people are sending in insane thoughts and actions that they've done. But we've had some bonker stuff. Now, some of the stuff I can't say on radio. But like, we had a, a guy... So the second half, just to put this into context, the second half of the show, I turn the tables on the audience and I throw a catch box into the audience, which is basically a fluffy giant microphone that gets ping ponged around the audience. And then if you catch it, I have to try and hack into your brain and figure out the insane thoughts that you're thinking of. Uh, so a few nights ago, actually, a girl uh, turns out that she split up from her boyfriend and she waited three months and she still had the keys to his house. And she went in and she just she robbed his bedroom but all of his bedroom. She like, with her friend, with her friends, she took out the bed, everything, the whole works. So he came home to his house one night and the whole bedroom was gone and he had no clue it was her. 
and, uh, and another guy, uh, it turns out that he was on a plane over Mexico with certain uh, crazy Mexican uh, criminals, shall we say, and he was doing crazy stuff on the plane. And it turned out that that was true as well. So, like, mad stuff comes up every night. It's great fun. But I know what people are thinking. People are thinking out there, they're listening. Well, that all sounds great, but I'm a bit scared, so I'm not going to go to the show. So you have a way of coming to the show 100% guaranteed that I won't go anywhere near you. So every night, so for example, outside the Barbican uh, in February, I'll be leaving 500 metres of tinfoil outside the front door. And if you want to come along but don't want to be on stage or participate, all you need to do is make and wear a tinfoil hat on the way in. <laughs> right. And, I, and this is not a joke. I give you my word. If you wear a tinfoil hat, I'll leave you alone and you can kick back, relax and enjoy the show and have a laugh at everybody else's expense. That's a way of opting out. I love it. Keep those insane things coming to us. There's a pair of tickets up for grabs to the Barbican on the 22nd of February, Andrade. What's the most insane thing you've ever done? Or maybe thought of doing as well? Get them to us. 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp or text. No, you're going to do something for me. I yeah. feel a bit left out. You asked me to guess something then. How would I? So, so I have a thing here. So psychoanalysis, I talk about psychoanalysis in the show and as a matter of fact in, in the at the end of the first half I talk about um, Salvador Dali famous surrealistic artist and he was using psychoanalysis in his works and he actually used the paranoia critical method which basically meant he used to drink loads of absinthe stare at a candle and hold his hand over the candle flame for prolonged periods of time and this would give him nightmarish hallucinations and then he would come up with his uh, mad paintings so every night on stage I get somebody to drink absinthe they stare at a candle they hold their hand over a candle flame and Salvador Dali literally ends into their, enters into their mind their body and their soul so here book so, me a ticket quick so in, in honour of Salvador <laughs> Dali and psychoanalysis I brought you the Rorschach inkblot test and psychoanalysts use this all the time to analyse people so I'm going to give you a little analysis in a moment okay. now I want you and Margaret to know if I flick through the book here there's all kinds of different ink blots, basically okay and as a matter of fact we can take photographs of these and put them up in a moment but for now if I show you we'll just say take a random one we'll go with uh, let's see uh, let's see that one there okay in that one there I immediately see an alien's head and I would imagine the first time I perhaps saw an alien uh, cartoon or image what do you see in that I uh, uh, not suitable for radio not suitable for radio but yeah. you see something other than an alien yeah. <laughs> okay what do you see in it <laughs> Jerry Sorry. sees I see what you see me. what do you see we're not going to say that. I do see that alien's head what's yeah. your, okay what's but different people see different yeah. things so for example okay. if, I, if I stop here what do you see Oh my God, it's like the Shroud of Turin or something, you know what I mean? Okay, Shroud of Turin, what would you see in that? An alien in the middle wearing shades. A lady in the middle wearing shades. Oh, no, an alien. Oh, an alien yes. in the middle wearing yes. shades. Ray-Bats. So you, you, a goat. So you, or a goat, yes, you might think of a, <laughs> a goat. goat or whatever. So different people see different things. Different people see different things. So there's a couple of hundred of these here, but you can have thousands of possibilities. So here's what I want you to do. In a moment, I'll give you the pad, okay? Yeah. You'll close your eyes and you'll flick up at the back and then you'll stop somewhere at random yeah. and then you'll have a peek at whichever one you stopped at. Okay. And then you'll think of the, you'll try and see an image in that. Okay. And then you'll think of the first time, that the first memory will say that that image brings up in your brain a real memory okay so take it okay put it down on the table okay close your eyes flick up with your thumb and stop wherever you want I won't see where you stop and then look at whatever image you stop at okay and if you see an image in that see an image and then close it up okay have you got a specific image in mind yes okay good okay think of the f- a memory associated oh, with this oh I have a massive memory associated with this okay massive is this the first memory of it or just a memory a, a real not vivid the first memory, memory okay, but look it's at such me. a vivid I told this story on the show okay 
a, a long time ago you told the story or? A few years ago. A few years ago, but No, 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 no. Okay, so ago. look at me. Focus on this image. We can get rid of the, the ink blot. That doesn't matter. Okay, look at me. Uh, I'm going to sense immediately that this... There's a smell associated with this. A very yes. distinct smell. Is that correct? <laughs> yes. And, uh, and was this broad? <laughs> No, it was no. it was here, but it was it was outdoors. Yes, it was outdoors here. There was other people around because I'm hearing sounds. <laughs> there was kids there. Yes. yes, there was lots of kids there, and there were sounds and and I, I, the smell that I'm saying it's almost like something went to the toilet in front of you, uh, but it's not a person; it's an animal of some kind. Yes, and you're thinking of is it something to do with the zoo? Yeah, <laughs> close, uh, close to the zoo. It was outdoors and focus on it oh, like there's thousands of things that got a lot of it. are you thinking of uh, an elephant right now yes yes was yes it? it was an elephant and you're so right with children and the smell I lived in a house on the north road in Drogheda that backed onto the Gaelic grounds where the circus came every year oh wow the and circus the house next door the fence was broken at the bottom and the elephant came in and into our garden. And my children woke one morning and I looked out my back garden and there's an elephant in our oh back garden. Oh, my God. And that's what I was thinking. That's what you were thinking of. Wow. Keith Barry, Brilliant. you are sensational. Thanks. <laughs> you really are sensational. I can't believe you got that. Because that's so random. Random, Because yeah. when I spoke about it here, I said, what's the weirdest thing? You talk about, you know, what you've done and we're looking for answers on that. But the weirdest thing you've ever seen in your back garden. Imagine, an elephant. <laughs> in Drogheda. I'd love to see an in elephant in my back garden. garden. With your children. Ah, memories, memories. Keith Barry, you're a legend. Marcus, thank you so much oh, for joining pleasure. us Absolutely. today. And we'll see you on Thursday for the books. Look, reminding you again, 22nd of February, Barbican tickets on Ticketmaster.ie for Keith Barry, or you can contact the Barbican as well. I was there last time. It's not to be missed. You're a star. Thanks. Thanks See you during the year. Thank you. Thanks a million. (laughs) Escape the... There's something really unique happening in Drogheda this coming weekend. In fact, it's the first weekend of its kind, I have to say, in the North East, because let me tell you what's happening. Tara Erard is the guest artistic director for a marvellous weekend which is called Celebrating the Voice and it's part of the Drogheda Classical Music Series. And guess what? Oh, today, what a day on late lunch. Tara Erot is with us. You're so welcome to the show and you've brought a very special guest. Tell us who's with you today. Indeed. Thanks very much for having me back. And I'm here this afternoon with my great friend from Venezuela, Luis. And... You know, this weekend, I feel absolutely blessed that Pauline Ashwood came to me with the idea about two years ago and said, would you like to come and host a weekend? We'll, you know, we'll leave it with you. You can do something special. And I have been so lucky with the support that I've always had from the locality in everything I've done. And I'm trying to give some of that back in whatever way, shape or form I can. And this idea came to me. It wouldn't have worked in one day. So the fact that I have a whole weekend is absolutely perfect. One thing I find, especially here, actually, when I sing in the church here in Drogheda, people always come after the concert and say, God, how do you keep yourself healthy? Or do you eat anything special? Or how do you, you know, keep yourself from getting a cold? Or and I thought, you know what? Let's answer all those questions. Let's do it. <laughs> because I have asked you those questions Indeed. in the past on this show, <laughs> but here you can do it face to face with their lady, with the lady herself. Now there's a huge program over the weekend, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, culminating with the big night of opera on Sunday night. But yeah. we'll come back to that yep. in a moment. From your perspective, uh, 
your your life in a way has changed or your modus operandi you were based abroad a lot but yeah. you're operating now from home and travelling is that it? Indeed that's exactly it I became a board member of Irish National Opera and I decided to you know I'd finished my full time contract in Munich after 10 years and so I moved home again I mean I'm generally only ever off for about three and a half four weeks in a year anyway and it's nicer to be able to know you're coming back to Ireland during that time. But I mean, we have such an exciting music scene here and we are exporting singer after singer after singer. And I think that the sooner we speak about vocal health and everything that that entails, the better. But what I meet abroad is not just incredible Irish singers, but also other Irish people paving their way in their own industry. And really interesting, this weekend, so on Sunday morning, we're going to have two sessions with Emma Wallace Ahern. Emma was at school with me. She's from Black Rock in Dundalk. And Emma's a highly qualified speech and language therapist and also a qualified yogi. As a speech and language therapist, she obviously knows very well the anatomy of the voice and everything that goes with it. And so she's developed a special course just for performers, for singers, for people to learn how to kind of relax all the muscles that are involved with that um, performance, anxiety, yoga, all sorts of really other interesting aspects. Um, and again, a woman from from the from locality. the area as know? well. And you are working with upcoming singers and stars in these exactly. workshops as well. And there's one of them sitting beside you. Indeed, me. You welcome Louise Magagenis to yeah, late lunch this afternoon. Great to see you. You have look, uh, Tara. This <laughs> man has such a story in his own right, hasn't he? It is incredible. You're it's from incredible. Venezuela. Yes, I'm from Venezuela. Hello, uh, thank you so much for having me here. I'm so happy and so lucky to celebrate uh, The Voice with Tara this weekend. So I'm very, I'm very grateful. But your story is an amazing one because life wasn't easy at home in the family. You hadn't got an awful lot. No, no. It was uh, um, from a, a loan crisis that we have in Venezuela. We have having really bad time. So um, after that, I, I, uh, I sent a message to uh, a famous pianist. She's coming this week uh, in this festival, Gabriela. Well, also Gabriela's. very interesting. So Gabriela Montero, who's a very, very famous Venezuelan pianist. Yes. Luis had sent her a message. Yeah. And she, luckily, as fate would have it at the time, I was singing in Barcelona, where she lives, and she's married to a wonderful Irish man. And they called me and said, you know what? Come over. We want to play a video. And Luis had recorded this most incredible, it was Mozart, I'll never forget it, Mozart aria. And I heard it and I thought, well, I mean, mother of God, we have to help him. And I said to her there and then I said, right, give me 10 minutes, I'll make a few phone calls. I go out the back, I called the Royal Irish Academy of Music, I said, listen, I've heard this voice, you need him, we need him, we can do things for him. Really a big, big talent. And I went back in, I told Gabrielle and Sam, okay, we have a place room at the Academy in Dublin. Now we just need to get him here. <laughs> hey, yeah, presto. it makes it easy. It looks easy, but it was really... It wasn't easy. <laughs> yeah, it yes. wasn't easy. But it I'm was. so grateful with her and Sam and Gabriela and the Academy because they gave me a place in the Academy for two years and they gave me my, my life, my singing. So, <laughs> so, I'm, so I'm so grateful with... Uh, and I read from your life parents. story that when you were a little boy uh, and you heard opera for the first time, it was a case of love at first listen, as soon as you heard <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, that was what he said, and they translate her to English, was that right? Yeah. Yes. I was, I mean, really surprised. It was uh, the Peruvian tenor, Juan Diego Flores. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, it was I was 20, exactly, um, when, I, when I listened to him for the first time. And I said, what, well, that is amazing. I looked, I, I stayed like a, for five minutes just 
watching it, that powerful voice, and yeah, that as you say was a that was the moment you said it. And and you are a tenor. It's it's a tenor voice you have. But but I want to tell listeners what I referred to earlier. Your mum brought the children up by herself. There wasn't a lot to go around. You had to go to extremes to follow your music in Venezuela, and then you came to Barcelona. Uh, first, where you hope yeah. to get a break. That didn't happen for you. But then Tara Eroff <laughs> stepped in, along yeah. with the wonderful Gabriela uh, Montero and her husband as well. And the rest is history. Here you are in Ireland now on a three-year... Yeah. It's just unbelievable how... <laughs> I mean, less than two years ago, I was in Venezuela in really bad situation, surviving. Um, I sent a message to Gabriela, and now we are going to celebrate the boys with Tara this weekend, so it's just perfect. He's an honorary (laughs) Lenton. Absolutely. (laughs) And he's joining you uh, on Saturday, isn't he? Yes, Yes, so we're going to work in the opera masterclass with Luis, because he's going to sing, actually, um, arias for us from Cenerentola, which is an opera I do really often, and, and I think I have no Probably pressure for me. No pressure. <laughs> <laughs> I have things I'm sure we can uh, we can add, and then we're going to sing together then at the gala on Sunday night. Mm. Um, what's also very interesting, I mean, there's so much incredible repertoire and things to sing, um, but what's also very interesting for me are recitals. A recital is just with the singer and piano. It's a little bit more intimate, a little bit more exposed, and so we're going to do on Saturday evening a showcase of the master classes of the participants from the masterclass for the recitals as well. Okay, so it all begins on Friday and it starts at 11 o'clock on Friday morning with a masterclass, right? Yeah. And then there's a second one then in the afternoon on the Friday, an opera masterclass in the evening of the Friday. So yeah. that's sort of the three for the... I just want to mention those. Then Saturday, uh, again at 11, and all this is in St. Peter's Church of Ireland. Yes. At the top of Peter Street in Drogheda, the wonderful St. Peter's, and, and of it's course fabulous. they have the other facilities there on site as well. Saturday, opera masterclass at 11. The guest lecture, I want to come to this one because <laughs> yes. this is very interesting. You mentioned, of course, uh, the lady from Black Rocker a few moments ago, Emma Wallace-Ahern. But on the Saturday, you have Dr. Paul Quack, is that the yep, way to pronounce his it. name? And uh, he's uh, a laryngeal surgeon. That's right. He's also the resident ENT, ears, nose and throat specialist for the Metropolitan Opera in New York. Now, I met him in New York and I contacted him maybe a year ago to say, you know, Paul, I'm thinking about doing this. Who could you recommend in Europe that could come and speak about vocal health? And he said to me, it's so important. I'll come myself. Uh, and I, I mean, my jaw nearly fell on the floor, but I, we took him up and Pauline sorted the whole thing. <laughs> and he's arriving on Friday. Uh, he is an incredible man. He has actually launched a campaign for Broadway singers. Um, to speak about vocal health and resting and how to keep yourself in good shape. Because in general, opera singers tend to be slightly more aware because we have no microphone except for our own bodies. We're quite aware of the body and what the body needs. But Paul can bring all of that to another level with the information he has. What's also very interesting is he says he oftentimes gets phone calls from radio presenters, from lawyers, from other people that have to speak in public about, you know, how to use the muscles or what's actually happening. So he's going to present a really open and diverse kind of talk that I would be saying for anybody, anybody that's ever thought about, you know, oh, I wonder why I'm hoarse today or, you know, how do I protect myself from a cold? He is really 
the top specialist in his field. So it's just not for singers. People like myself, people who present events, things like that, all will be catered for in, in Absolutely. this lecture in the afternoon of Saturday at two o'clock in St. Peter's Church of Ireland. Then, as you mentioned, you went to Saturday evening with the showcase recital yes. with all of the people you've been working with. And Amy Dyer, I see Amy's yes, name in she there. Yes, indeed. Amy Dyer from Drogheda. Um, we, you know, we, we really tried to find singers in the northeast. I mean, I don't know... Obviously, I've been living abroad for quite a while, but the amount of talent that we're cultivating is really incredible. And um, I think it'll be interesting also, even, you know, the people in Drogheda know Amy, to come along and watch the masterclass and see the amount of work that she puts in, that each of these young singers puts yes. in. It's really incredible. And that's why we decided to leave every session open to the public, that the audience, they can come and they can ask whatever questions they want or they can just look in and see how what actually happens kind of behind the scenes, really. Very open indeed to everybody. And we want to say that if you'd like to go along to any of the events, it, it is open Absolutely. open season. You can go there. And I just want to tell you that for more information, I'll remind you of this. I'm just going to go to a break now. You can get more information from the Drihid Art Centre. They're on 041 9833946. That's the Drihid Art Centre. You can call them there. Drihid.com if you want to check it out there. Or from DrahadaClassicalMusic.com. The whole programme is there and all the details. More from the wonderful Tara and Louise after the break. Drahada Classical are celebrating the voice this weekend and the artistic director is our very own Tara Erard. She's with me on late lunch today and her tenor good friend Louise from uh, Venezuela is here also. Um, Louise, just to come back to yourself, you're in your second year with the Academy here in Ireland, yes? Yes, I'm taking the second year of the programme, is Recital Artist Programme. So this is my second Academy year. I'll be finishing uh, in June. And you hope to stay in this part of the world then afterwards? That's the hope, is it? It's just unbelievable how I ended up here, but I feel so happy and so grateful with the Irish people, especially. That is what's something really important for me, to feel like I have a family in the academy, a family around, outside the academy, the, the academy, that they were helping me. So they gave me my life, and I'm just not just singing. From mm. the human point of view, it was just so important to feel very welcome here. And for your family, you mentioned family. What about your family back home? Are you in touch? Yeah, yeah. My family is still in Venezuela in a really difficult situation. And from the, the since the same the first day I, I came here, uh, from Gabriela, Montero, and San, everybody was helping me to send medicines to Venezuela, to send money for food. So everything is changing. Everything changed because I, I received help. So I, for this first day, I'm sharing everything with, with them. Yeah, so to you're trying well. to help reciprocate yeah. back home as well. You yeah. have a brother that's, that needs a kidney transplant. Yeah, he's in a, he's a, he has a terminal sickness um, mm. because he's in dialysis for... He has been in dialysis for five years. And so now it's like stable. One year ago was really, really bad. Mm. So, yeah, he needs a transplant and... In, in that situation, it's, it's almost impossible. It's impossible to have like a ibuprofen sometimes. So mm. from here, with many friends from Venezuela, we are sending medicines, but he needs okay. a transplant. It's very sad to see what Venezuela has become because it's mm. a, a rich country in terms of resources, lovely people, and it's been torn apart, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it's it's just some fair. I mean, we are suffering the conse- the consequence for a bad government. Yeah, 
So I, a lot of people are um, moving and leaving the country. I think in this moment it's maybe five million of people gone, gone from um, some people walking, walking to yes. Colombia. Mm. So, and it's still people leaving the country now. Mm. There is a lot of people leaving. Um, you know, we were talking yesterday about seventy-five years since the uh, liberation mm. of Auschwitz, yeah. and I say it again, and I said it yesterday. Venezuela is another example in the world where really, you know, come on, it's still happening. People. Yeah. Are, have live awful lives under oppression and have to leave and look. Yeah. I, I, I pray that someday that this changes and that yeah, hopefully, yeah. the country re- is restored to the beautiful country and place yeah. it was and all we should be to live. I wish I wish the Venezuelan people well with that. Um, back to yourself, Tara, uh, and, and just to talk about the finale of all this will be the concert on the Sunday night, the opera. That's right. So we've partnered with Irish National Opera Um, to bring their orchestra here and what we will do is the four singers who are partaking in the opera masterclasses on Friday evening and Saturday morning will showcase the work they've done um, and the areas we've kind of focused in a bit on Mozart um, and I think some really great favourites that the audience should know and will really enjoy. It's also for some singers the first time that they're going to have an orchestral experience which is a very big, big step in anyone's career. I mean, I remember my first time, it was absolutely terrifying. <laughs> what about I'm you, terrifying. Louise? Yeah. Well, this is my first time in Europe. Oh, sorry. So, oh, yeah. sorry. sorry, sorry. Don't be sorry. I shouldn't even have mentioned that. <laughs> <laughs> of course, you said that earlier on as well. But look, you'll be fine. There won't be a bother no, in this not at all. No, no, no. Well I mean, that's the thing. And I think that's what the audience will find so interesting to see the work that goes in behind the scenes for any of these young singers to take their first steps on stage, it's really incredible. And I think people will find it fascinating how much work goes in before they ever get to the actual performance mm. stage. Mm. It's it's unique, folks. And, you know, at a time when we need a lift in the North East, especially sure. Drogheda, this is a way of really being uplifted. And if, if you're into your opera, if you're into your classical, great. If you're not, Go along to some of these events and see what it's all about. Because I have to say, maybe in my younger life, it wasn't something that entered my sphere of interest. But my God, since it has, (laughs) I just love it. And I love this woman. I've said it before. I was in (laughs) St. Peter's Church. I have been a couple of times when she sang there. And it's just unbelievable to experience (laughs) that voice as it reverberates round the whole place. And that's going to happen again But that's an amazing facility. I hope everybody knows that. I mean, it's really an incredible room to sing in. It's really, really beautiful. And we're very lucky to have that here. Yes, yes. And the big piano as well, which I always mention. And thanks to the Loud County Council people who've supported that immensely. Now, just to remind you, we're going to talk more, but I will remind you again, it's on this weekend and it's called Celebrating the Voice and it's part of the Drogheda Classical. And there's a season ticket. You can get a season ticket for everything. You know what I mean? So you can get a season ticket and you can pick and choose, go if you can, but it's great value. There's a season ticket to cover all the events, Friday, Saturday and Sunday, or you can pick whichever suits you to go to again reminding you Drihid Arts Centre 041 983 com is the website if you want a book or drawdeclassicalmusic.com so there's no excuses not to get tickets and not to get along and support this tell me about yourself into the new year we're just in January you're Indeed. going to the Met in I New am. York yeah. shortly back in time for back some Patrick's again. Day 
Yeah. What's on? Tell Cinderella. Again. Cinderella. Yes. Yeah. Okay. And what else besides that? What's in the in the near term this year? So next, a, a, after this weekend, next week I'm in with the Irish Baroque Orchestra and we're doing a concert in the National Art Gallery and then... And then actually we're coming back here to Drogheda and we're going to record that concert, make an album in St. Peter's. <laughs> wow. um, and then I go to Leeds and I do a recital there on the 13th of February. I go back to the Met. I do Cenerentola. When I finish at the Met, I go to Berlin for the Barbara Seville and Don Giovanni at the Staatsoper. And then I go to Munich for title role Alceste, then Despina in Così Fan Tutte and Alcina in Haydn's Orlando Palladino. In there I have one or two more recitals in Wigmore Hall and the Schubertiade but that brings us to the end of July. And here as I say and she moved back home. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for, for hello and goodbye but why I want you to, to mention all those I want to get across to people. You know you are in Drogheda this coming weekend and you're performing on the greatest stages in the world with the most wonderful orchestra and the most wonderful productions and we have you just to ourselves for this weekend and we need to appreciate this and again I encourage everybody to get out and support this wonderful festival I read a lovely article I actually have it here in front of me in, I kept it from the Times last November okay. and you were talking about getting into the corset do oh, you remember that? Lordy uh, sure she, the poor the poor lady doing the interview was there watching it all happen <laughs> it was, great it was one of those manic manic yes. uh, press days you know where you were trying to do photo shoots and yes. do the interviews at the same time and mm. you know but it's part of the job you know has to be done yeah yeah and a period costume comes with its own um, interesting facets let's say <laughs> lots of facets and fastnets as well fastnets, I'm, yeah. I'm sure also well look it's great to meet you both on late lunch today Thank I really do much. appreciate you taking time to drop in you're busy with all this Louise I wish you all continued success for the remainder of your time uh, Thank with you the so much. Thank Academy you. and beyond that as well I've no doubt that this tenor voice is coming indeed all over the world yeah. in the near future. Thank you. Let's and celebrate your... the voice this weekend. Yes, yeah. yes. And, and you can hear it for yourself this weekend, Tara, as usual. You're Thanks just a star. Minute. We're going to finish out and we're going to hear. Tell us what you were going to hear. And by the way, Dervla Collins accompanies you on this piece. That's right. And Dervla, who's the head of music at the National Opera Studio in London, and she's the main vocal coach of the Royal Irish Academy of Music, she'll be with me all weekend when we do the masterclasses. Um, and this is the aria Non Più Mesta from La Cenerentola Rossini's Cinderella accompanied by Dervla Collins Non Più Mesta canto al fuoco staro so la gorgheggiar no afullam un sogno, un gioco il mio lungo palpitar non più me sta accanto al fuoco non più me sta accanto al fuoco Starò sola a corgheggiar, no, 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 affullamo un sogno, un gioco, il mio lungo palvito. 
I do have to say hello to somebody this afternoon. I better do it before I forget. I met a lovely young lady called Chloe in Woodrose at the West Court Hotel on Sunday evening and she was telling me her mother, her mammy, Mary Duff from Clarehead, listens every day to late lunch and loves it. And I said I'd say hello to her. So hello this afternoon to Mary Duff in Clarehead. You have a great young one there. She looked after us so well on Sunday evening. Thank you for listening every day. And thanks to everybody who tune in every afternoon of the week. Now, moving on on late lunch, listen to this. One in five young lives are affected by child sexual abuse in this country, according to Kari, who are about to launch a four-week social media campaign to try to encourage children to talk and break the silence, which they say gives oxygen to the abuse. I'm joined on Late Lunch now by Carrie's Executive Director, Eve Farley. Eve, you're very welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, Jerry. Thank you for joining us today. Uh, I'm shocked. One in five. Yeah. Do you get that reaction from people? Actually, we do get that reaction a bit. Um, And that's surprising for us, I suppose, because we work with it every day and we understand that those figures are probably maybe even a little conservative. Um, You know, there's, there's... that statistic of one in five is a statistic of people who've told their story. And there's a lot of people who are out there that haven't told their story. So I would consider that stat to be possibly a bit conservative. And you know, when you say it, you're right, because this is something that's often covered by a veil of secrecy. Yes. People live in fear. Yes. And they don't come forward. Yes. Those figures and the gathering of those numbers, how how does it materialise? How do you find out about this? Well, we find out about it through the services that we provide. So we have a number of services that we provide. Our core service is a therapeutic one where we provide uh, therapy for children up to the age of 18 who've been impacted by sexual abuse. And then we provide a therapeutic intervention for children up to the age of 12 who present with sexually harmful behaviours. And that uh, service is largely supported by our National Helpline and our National Helpline runs from Monday to Friday and our main caller to our helpline is a mother and the main reason why she would call is because she's just had a disclosure from her child or she's concerned about the behaviour of her child. And then we have a forensic accompaniment service where children who have to get a forensic medical exam after an assault or a rape, we provide support for them on site and afterwards. And then when they have to give their testimony in criminal trials, we provide support for them there as well. So we are very unique in our ability to be able to stay with the child throughout their journey of healing from sexual abuse, from the initial stages where a mother might ring us through therapy, whilst they're getting the forensic exam and all the way to court. So we're present for quite a large narrative of a child's experience in that. I I keep saying, Carrie, and and Maya Culpa, just to tell you that it's Children at Risk Ireland. It's just the acronym or the the shortened version of the, the initials of that. So Children at Risk Ireland is what we're talking about. You mentioned that mothers Mm -hmm. or women call you Mm -hmm. predominantly. Mm -hmm. That says that much of this abuse comes from the male side. No, not necessarily. I mean, you know, I think the reason why mothers call um, more so than fathers is because um, mothers react typically in a certain way and fathers react typically in a certain way when they find out that their child has been abused. Men tend to not want to talk about it, but they want to go out and kill. Um, whereas mothers want to ring up and get information and get linked in and they're much more, I think, comfortable with making the phone call than men are. Um, men, uh, it is mostly men that do abuse 
but we are seeing a rise of female um, abusers, both adult and adolescent. So there is a rise in that. The typical, or is there a typical, or can it be anything, when in a family, you know you have a mother and father there in a family, or guardians, or co-parenting, or same-sex couples, wherever, there's so many combinations today in family units. Is it generally maybe from just outside of that, you know, in relatives, I'm thinking about aunts and uncles, older yeah. siblings, things like that. Yes, yeah. I mean, there's a large, large spectrum. Um, are, are you talking about people who abuse? Yes, yeah, yes. Yeah. There's a large spectrum. And what we're finding is an increase of um, sibling assault. Yeah, we're finding an increase in that. Um, also, what we see across our services, interestingly enough, across all of our services, barcourt, is that the younger the child is in age, the more likely that the offender is a member of the family. But actually what's interesting is when we look at our court statistics, the younger the child is that gets to court, the more likely it is that they're giving evidence against somebody outside of the family. And uh, it's interesting why that happens. You know, I'm not quite sure why that yeah, happens. Yeah, so I see what you're saying. They've, they've grown a little in years and they can go to court and give evidence and then that's they're older and it's outside, younger inside within this well, area. Um, well, uh, no, really what I'm saying is, is that... Um, we know that the younger the child is, the more likely it is that the offender is interfamilial, but they don't get to the court part. Of the I process. see. I see. Sorry. I see what you're saying. Now. Yeah. 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 OK. Um, you, you despair like to think that anybody would abuse a child, wouldn't you? Like yeah. It's, it's, it's hard to contemplate. It's hard to contemplate and it's really difficult detail to um, to sit with. But it's really important um, that we're there to sit with it because the experiences that children have, um, if they get the right intervention at the right time, those experiences don't have to become the fingerprint of who those children are in adulthood. And that's really, really important that this work is here and that it's accessible to children as and when they need it. Um, And part of this campaign really is trying to bring parents into the preventative side of this. So what we're asking parents and what we're asking children to do is to start having a conversation about this type of stuff before it happens in the family. Because if we're talking about this before it happens in the family, should it happen? We have communication that's open. It's already existing. There are ways for children to seek their safe adult and talk about it because it's a pre-existing communication Mm. that's in the family. And that's really, really important for all ages, all the way up and for parents as well. Now, that's my next question. You say for all ages, starting at what age? How young? Well, children can communicate um, from a very young age. They may not be able to communicate in the linguistic way that we are communicating now. Yeah. But children can communicate through their behaviour, through their play. Um, and if we can learn to communicate on the level that they are expert in, we can hear so much more. So that starts at a really, really young age then, you're saying? That starts at a young age, yes. When they play. And yeah. obviously as a parent, I'd need training you know, to, I, I wouldn't like. Can imagine new parents are that to know what to do. Is this part of your remit as well? To well, teach the therapy people? that we provide is play therapy. Okay. So our uh, therapists are expert at being able to communicate with children in the way that they are expert at communicating, and in that way, um, they can engage in a process to, to try and process their experiences that they've had. Um, Every parent knows their child, knows their child inside out. And if they felt that something was off, 
that something in their behaviour was different. Give us a ring. Okay, so you don't need formal training, but what you're saying today is there are alarm bells. There are things you can see as a parent. You know your child. You know how they behave. So if you see a child who was, say, outgoing, becoming introverted, Mm -hmm. if you see a child, you know, their behaviour changing in many so ways Mm -hmm. it can happen. Mm -hmm. These are... Alerts. These, these, these are alerts, yeah. And and the first thing that we start with them is communication. So what we want to do is we want to be, and, and it's difficult for some parents, how do I start that yeah, type of conversation yeah. when it's not happening? Mm. How do I start in a, in a preventative space? And that's really what this um, campaign is aimed at. It's aimed at providing parents with the information and the tools to be able to start a conversation with their child when it's not happening. Um. This is the worst, one of the worst fears that parents have that could, the fate of their child. And I think when we fear something so much, we push it away. But actually, we don't, we can't do that with sexual abuse. We need to be able to incorporate it from a safety perspective into our conversations so that if something did happen, it doesn't get traction by silence. And that is the word. Silence Mm -hmm. is... The perpetuation of this. Absolutely. Absolutely. And a child's ability to communicate. And all the way up, I mean, we're talking about young children here, but actually silence in teenagers can be, um, it can be quite a push through for teenagers to break that silence because they're more aware of the shame that has been put on them. Um, If, for example, if they've been caught up um, by being groomed online and they're being threatened, um, they may feel panic and fear and shame and not know what to do next. And so that um, reinforces the silence. And so what we want to do is we want to be able to provide families a way to communicate about that, all of that stuff, so that if it happened, what do we do? So, for example... If somebody was had sent um, a picture of themselves to somebody else who they thought they were having a relationship with or they thought they were flirting with and then suddenly it turned nasty and it turned manipulative, um, what we'd say is they may use it to um, threaten to have more videos sent or more pictures sent. So don't send any more pictures, don't send any more videos and don't pay them any money. You go to the police. This is a criminal offence. Go to your parents. And what I would say to parents who may have their child come and tell them that this has happened. Sometimes our fear when our child is in trouble is a knee-jerk reaction to be reactive. You should have known better. That kind of stuff. Um, and what I'd say is, is that your child has just demonstrated a massive amount of bravery to be able to come to you with this. And the level of fear and panic that they have have been going through has been huge and that they've come to you is a huge testament to you as a parent that they see you as a safe person. So um, believe what they say and go to the police. Okay, I want to take a short break. Stay there. This is so interesting. New campaign coming in February, Carrie, and we're going to talk about what's happening in, in, in the individual weeks in a moment. If you're affected by anything we're talking about today, what, what's your, just give your number there now. It's 1890 924 five six seven but okay. also you can go onto our website uh, www.carry.ie and request a call back and we can ring you okay so if you're listening today and you're affected by anything we're saying those are the numbers 1890 92 
Six, seven. Sorry, six, seven. I can't even read me on writing here. <laughs> so that's 1890, 92, 45, 67 is the number to call or carry, C-A-R-I dot I-E. Executive Director of CARI, Eve Farley, is with me on Late Lunch today and we are talking about a new campaign that's starting in February and CARI are children at risk, Ireland. And their helpline number again, I have it right this time, 1890 92 45 or CARI.ie, C-A-R-I if you want more information. Now let's talk, uh, Eve, specifically about this campaign. And it's a social media campaign. It's a social media campaign and we're going to run it for for the month of February and it's going to kick off on the 3rd of February and each week is going to tackle a different aspect of the type of work that we do. Uh, so the first week we're going to look at CARI itself and the services that we provide uh, and each week we'll look at a different service. It will look at how people can help and how people can support us and it will be able to show some of the children that we've engaged with through those different services. Okay, so there will be examples and people will be uh, telling their stories of how carry has come yeah, so into these their are, lives. These are these are vignettes of, of children yeah. um, from how we see them through the different service that we've okay. provided. Okay. And then the second week we're going to run that week dealing with sexually harmful behaviour in young children. Um, and the first thing to really understand about sexually harmful behaviour for parents is what is it? What's the difference between normal explorative behaviour and what's and what's concerning behaviour? So we're going to provide information to de- define what the difference of those is. And then we're going to look at you know how can we prevent it? How can we support it? What can we do if we're dealing with a child that's presenting in this way. And what's really important to say about this is that if there is a child acting out in a sexually harmful way, what we have is a case where two children need support. Because children act out for various different reasons and they act out really because they're struggling to understand something that's beyond their cognitive ability to do so. And so they need support in that. So the third week we're going to look at peer-to-peer abuse and so we're going to move a little um, later in age into the teenage years and really conversations about um, that you know, we, we have lots of conversations at home with our teenagers about how to stay safe. What are the things that we can do and what are the things that we shouldn't do um, in order for us not to be attacked? And really, we need to start having conversations about what it is we can do so that we're not attacking. This is peer-to-peer abuse. So those two conversations really need to be taking place. And if we're having a, a whole generation of young boys who are um, drawing their education on consent from the platform of a porn video, we're in a lot of trouble. Mm. So it's about starting those type of conversations as well. And then the last week, we're going to look at grooming. And um, specifically, you know, grooming, according to you and I, and what we understand grooming to be is actually slightly different to what grooming uh, is today or the mechanisms on how... Um, an offender abuses. You know, back when I was a child, um, a groomer had no um, option but to first groom the parents to get to the child. Yes. Um, really, the age of technology is such that they can bypass that step now and they can get straight to the child through the chat rooms um, and social media platforms. So 
and parents we we are a generation where parents are a digital uh, tourist and their children are digital natives and so there's that information gap so we're going to provide links for parents to be able to upskill themselves on apps and privacy settings and how to keep children safe and what rules they can implement if they're going to buy their children phones and etc etc that is a, a real change and you know parents after when you talk about yesteryear who find out sadly that their child you know has been abused by someone the the feeling of letting them down when they realize they've been groomed themselves but now you there's no no you know that middle part there that they have to work on the abuser straight in as you say now yeah and i would say that you know um we do still we do still have um groomers out there who do groom parents yeah. first, especially with um, younger children. Smaller ones. Smaller ones. Okay. Um, children who, who move into an age where they're in smartphones and apps yeah. and stuff like that, uh, there is the option for offenders to bypass parents and so on. Mm, and you'd scared. feel like, I, I know if, you, if you're groomed and that happens, you can imagine the feelings that parents had. But equally, think about this, if you're not involved in this equation anymore for the older ones, and it happens, and yeah. you haven't taken the appropriate action to stave this off before it does, yeah. you'll have those same yeah. guilt-ridden yeah. feelings, won't yes. you? You yeah. will. You, yeah. you certainly will. Um, do you think... You know, carry a thirty years in, in in this business now, and there are others in this sphere as well. Do you think, after all we've heard of the different abuses, not just clerical abuses, many other abuses mm-hmm. in families and sporting organisations, it's gone on everywhere. Mm-hmm. Do you think the message has gone out to potential abusers? You know, enough of a message going out that we're onto this. Um, I think we need to be doing more talking because I think that's a uh, that's a real protective tool that families can have um, if they come into contact with an abuser and how that they don't penetrate into the family home. Um, I think our criminal justice system is a really important accountability tool to offenders, uh, not just for the offender who who is up in the dock, but also a vicarious accountability of other offenders looking. You know, if if you abuse a child, you're going to be held accountable and you're going to be held accountable in this way. So I would love to see more um, more offenders of younger children um, be put through the criminal justice system because I think it's a really important accountability tool for offenders. But the, I can't um, overestimate the power of having a safe person in a child's life and what that can do to empower a child. I can't overestimate it. Imagine from you started, I just think of 30 years as we talk here and the way this world of ours has changed and life in Ireland and particularly with what you talk about, you know, the accessibility of online material of all Mm. sorts to younger and younger children. Mm. I mean, Carrie opened their doors uh, the same year that the World Wide Web was invented. 30 years ago. 30 years ago. And it was primitive back then, when you think absolutely, of it. Absolutely, absolutely. And look at today, and, and look mm-hmm. how young they're getting, that they can get onto these things and start to see this. And as you said, you made a very good point there a few moments ago, they're not capable in, in an yeah. awful lot of no. cases. They're not, their no. brains aren't developed enough. They're not. No. And, you know, young boys are not um, able to absorb excessive amounts of pornography that they can access freely through their smartphones and that's doing um, damage 
that's doing a lot of damage. Real damage. Real damage. So curbs in there are certainly needed. I don't know how. It's like the Wild West out there at the minute. And and, and so many governments yeah. in, in, in what you'd call supposedly developed countries are grappling with this mm-hmm. and with the big yeah. companies as well. How do we get a, a, a grasp of this? We have to get a grasp. Oh, I mean, there's, there's governance and regulation that we can... Um, we can insist on uh, uh, with the big companies and all that kind of stuff, but there's 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 back to being in the home and and how we talk and what we say and you know how often we talk about it. Uh, I would say to any young person before they um you know before they do something before they press record before they press send, think about whether you'd like this happening to your little brother or your little sister and if you if that's something that upsets you you've a real opportunity to make a different choice and I would urge you to do that Maraid's been on to say Jerry. I just want to say Carrier fantastic organisation I'd like you to Thank read you this out much. today uh, with your guest there with you um, uh, and people and young people especially are still in danger today make no mistake about it Maraid says Um and they know in a lot of cases who their abusers are and they can't speak up about it. And if it goes to court, I have to say, says Marade, a child is still afraid that they won't get mm. the justice. Mm. You know, yeah. good point. That's yeah. that fear. Yeah. It, and, you know, court is a huge fear. It's a huge fear for children. I mean, it's a huge fear for anybody. Court is not a natural environment for anybody, really. Mm. So when you're going into that setting... um that setting alone is is really anxiety inducing and then you know children wear a very heavy burden one that's placed on them as a witness but one that's placed on by themselves you know um and so when we work with children in court, we kind of use the jigsaw analogy where we say uh, everybody has a little piece and there's no one piece that's going to determine the outcome of this. Your piece is to come and to tell your story. The judge's piece is this, the jury's piece is that. And every piece put together makes up the picture so that they can they can lighten the load that they put on themselves about, um, you know, feeling that they are the ones that are either going to turn a case this way or that way and it's simply not the case you know and it's about being believed and a lot of children that we find get more upset um, coming out of court feeling that they haven't been believed more so than what the outcome is because that's a huge part of recovery for children because it's probably a huge part of what they were told wouldn't happen You mentioned recovery and just before we finish with your intervention and the great work you do, can this become something that's it's always in a person's life? Yes. But can they move on and yes. deal with it and I get th- on with life? I truly think so. I truly think so. In my in my core belief system, it is completely aligned with the philosophy of Carrie's work. And that is that these experiences do not have to become the fingerprint of who you are. If you get the right intervention at the right time, they can just become the experience that you have had and not what you are. So it's really, really important that children get access to us when they need to get access to us. And we have 85 children on our waiting list for therapy. So children aren't getting access to us when they need to. So that's something that we have to we have to work with and we have to approach with a huge intolerance because um, every child deserves intervention. Just pause that thought there. That is the way to finish. Every child, every single child 
Reminding you again of Carrie's campaign four weeks in February. Check it out. Carrie, C A R I dot I E, I appreciate you joining me well, on thank, late thank lunch this afternoon. I really do, uh, Eve, and uh, thanks for coming to us. Uh, we'll talk again, I'm sure, at some stage in the future. Executive Director of Cary, Eve Farley. Thanks a million. Did you know that Titanic Belfast is the world's largest Titanic visitor experience and since its opening has become a must-see attraction for all? It's absolutely marvellous. And throughout February, they've a fantastic promotion for younger visitors with kids going free. It's a great opportunity to enjoy the full interactive Titanic experience. There'll be a special meal deal in Bistro 401 and children receive a free Titanic activity pack when completed and the team at Titanic in Belfast have been in touch to offer one of our late lunch listeners today a family pass to the Titanic experience lovely prize how do you win it here's the question in which month in 1912 did the Titanic sink in which month in in 1912 1912 did the Titanic sink answers as soon as you can to 086 1800 658 by WhatsApp or text with your name and details and we'll pick a winner before the end of the show. And we have a winner for the Keith Barry tickets. Yes, he's coming to the uh, Barbican Theatre in Drogheda on the 22nd of February, Saturday 22nd. Tickets from Ticketmaster.ie or the Barbican. And Louise, the winner today is... Is Debbie Murray from the Denore Road in Drogheda. And why is she the winner? She said the most mental thing she ever did was plan her wedding in six weeks from start to finish full stop wow six weeks mm, done and dusted feet. she said she didn't change her name after the wedding and she divorced seven years later <laughs> oh, maybe she knew it wouldn't work out Debbie good <laughs> on you we love your story thanks to everybody who sent in uh, things that they've done in their lives uh, Debbie gets the tickets to Keith enjoy enjoy up next on late lunch we often hear about poor customer service but on the other hand there can be rude customers and very rude customers. I'm going to hear about them next. Yes, for most people in business and especially in the uh, hospitality sector, customer has to be king. But when the customer becomes something else, well, Kira Burke from Sage and Stone draws the line. Good afternoon, Kira. Afternoon, Jerry. How are you? I'm good. Thank you for taking our call. Looking forward to Friday already, Women With Opinions. So we'll just tee that up uh, this Tuesday afternoon. But let's come back to you and Sage and Stone. You posted last evening something that caught my attention and lots of other people as well. A couple of incidents with customers recently in Sage and Stone. What happened? Uh, well, on last week, uh, we had, on a Thursday, we have a guy who uh, I took from rehab five years ago, uh, a lovely guy, but he has special needs, and he works every Thursday with me. He looks forward to working every Thursday, and he has come on and leaves and bounds. And um, he <clears throat> was abused from a height from a very ignorant man um, who obviously didn't realise he had special needs. This guy just, he gave them the wrong menus, and, you know, it was just... It was just a simple human mistake. Do you know what I mean? Yes. And this guy was just completely ignorant, took the head off him. And it was only these four guys that were sitting beside this guy. This He just got up and left and he was disgusted. Do you know what I mean? And I just thought, 
what is wrong with that? What is wrong with people? You mm. know what I mean? So these four lovely lads came up and said, look, can you give this to that um, that guy, uh, the waiter there, because he just after getting abused from a height. There was absolutely no need for it. And I think that some people have this, I don't know, is it an entitlement or do they just come out to abuse people or what is it? I nearly know them the minute they walk in the door. It's like they're coming in to... Um, they're obviously they've they're obviously very sad people, but they come in to give out. Do you know that kind of way? Yes. You know them the minute they walk in the door. And then on Sunday, I had a couple who came in at about half past three. It was thronged in the place, and they were obviously the last of about ten tables to sit down at that that point. They ordered their meal, and when the waitress came out with their meal, she accidentally put it onto a different table for like a nanosecond before she realised oh shit that's not their food and brought it over to their to their table and the man turned around and he says I'm not eating that that's been on another table and I, I just kind of thought to myself right so she was very good and she said okay I'll go and get you another one or whatever completely new uh, burger we make everything fresh here we make everything you know cooked to order yep. and then in the middle of that waiting another five minutes, he just walked out the door, abused um, the, the waitress who took their initial order, who was a 17-year-old student that I have at weekends. And I just thought, what is going on with people? You know, like, there's an entitlement. We're not McDonald's. We're not a fast food restaurant. We cook things to order. People come in with an entitlement that they should be, uh, I don't know, and I just don't understand why they have to abuse uh, young staff who are clearly there doing their best and it's it's getting worse and worse, Jerry. On a, on a weekly basis, we have an issue like this. So you wanted to highlight it. Let me go back to the young man in question. How is he? Was he all right? That was a lovely gesture by the other four lads. Let me say. Oh, yeah, but I mean, should they they could just see it. They could just see that this man was just an ignorant man. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And they could see that he was in shock and he was doing it. Like I mean, you know, um, Johnny comes in every th- Thursday to us. He's a great lad, and uh, I'd love to have him more, but because of his health, he can't work anymore. And mm. uh, so, you know, but he just loves his job. Every Thursday he comes down, and his mother is delighted that he is, has somewhere to go and he gets a few pounds or whatever, and he feels independent, and he has a bit of banter with the staff and all the rest. And, uh, you know, I think that more people should take on people with special needs because they do have a lot to give. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, and was he all right, Kira? Were you able to, did you say anything oh, to him? Was I just he... said, would yeah. you, I said, Johnny, just forget about that man. I said, yeah. he has worse issues than you do. Don't even think about it. I said, you know, it's his problem. Can you? I just said to him, can you imagine living with that man, Johnny? I said, don't even think about it. Mm. I said, you'll be here next week and we'll be starting back. But I said, oh no, he was fine. Go yeah, home. good, good. And, and, and 17, like, uh, again, somebody in, starting out in life, trying to get a few bob, I'm sure, for their education and a little yeah, bit of social they, life. They get knocked back. Their yeah. confidence gets knocked yeah, back. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Like, this is it. People, uh, but it's not just in the restaurant business, Jerry. It's in shops. It's in, it's in, at the, at the coalface, at, at, in the emergency department in the hospital. I mean, the abuse that they're taking on a daily basis. I've had people, friends who work there, and the abuse they get. And, like, it's not, from people who are waiting on trolleys it's from people who come in have an entitlement that they might have been drunk and fell over and they've uh, they, they've broken their teeth or whatever and they've they're shouting and getting violent like what is going on with society mm. i mean 99 percent of people are absolutely fabulous but we really need to take a good look at ourselves and see you know what is going on we're getting too aggressive we're getting too entitled 
And I just feel, I just, I just felt really strongly about standing up for my staff because my staff are the most wonderful people. And as you could see from the the reaction on Facebook, yes. um, most people came back and said, "Oh my God, I can't believe that." But it does happen on a daily basis, and mm. like they're not paid enough for, to take that. Call. Yes, and and I know, and I know in particular, generally, if there's something wrong, people put their hands up and say, "Look, we messed up there." Yes, and we can accept that, and that's fine. Yes. But that those incidents you you talk about there, I think. Entitlement is one thing, but I'll tell you what it is as well. Um, we want everything in the here and now immediately yes. for us. It's about just us. It's about me. It's about nobody else. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, I was reading a thing about, you know, why Finland, F- Finnish people are so happy. And you know why they're so happy? Because half of them work uh, in, vol- in a voluntary capacity or work or do charity work. Um, on a like on a weekly basis or a monthly basis, and they give back to uh, the community. There is less and less of that happening. And if people in Ireland could just look after their next door neighbour or whatever, they'd feel happier in themselves. It's all about what we can get, what we're, what's going to make us happy all the time. And if we could give something back, and just actually think about the other person for a change, we might all be another. Uh, we might all be better people. And I say this to myself as well, don't be as impatient either. And I can be impatient at times, I have to say, but it, it's a question of, you know what I mean, yeah. take a deep breath, sit back yeah. and relax and yeah. just, you know what I mean, don't really, you know, jump or, you know, be angry or aggressive as you saw there. It's not required. It, it's just not, and it's not nice and it's not needed. And I'll tell you, that's why I want to just have a quick word you today because normally we hear it from the other side, you know what I mean? We, we, yeah. We'll hear lots about poor customer service and genuine poor customer service and, yeah. and that's a fact. But, you know, you brought up something here, so you have, mm. with customers, angry and and ignorant and aggressive customers and it is a message I'd like to add to today. Yeah, and I actually I think I think everybody has seen it. Yeah. You know, everybody has seen it in their workplace, in their in their restaurants, in anywhere in any part part of life. Everybody has seen someone being aggressive towards another person. We're not paid enough for, for that. We're not um like what's we're we're not those type of people. I don't think Irish people are yeah. genuinely like that and I think we need to just kind of catch hold of ourselves. And and just take take a, yes. a good look. Do you know what my suggestion is? Go to the west or the northwest or the southwest of Ireland and chill a bit and look at the way the people chill over there. And do what you do on a regular basis. <laughs> Get into a fishing boat <laughs> and into Lock Carib and you know catch a few uh, whatever. Yeah, and 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 life goes on and time yeah. goes by and every everything gets done and yeah. everybody's fed and happy at the end of the day. Anyway, listen. Thank you for joining me. I saw the reaction. Huge ninety nine percent of people saying look here we hear what you're saying and I think you've got a message across in the last uh, 12 hours yeah, or so that's it's important it's not just my place I know it's all over it's, yeah, all, it's over. all over it is all over right, see you, Jerry, see you Friday. Friday yeah take care bye 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 that's Kira Burke there from Sage and Stone what a reaction you saw it yourself Louise she posted that message there and it just went wild with people it really did. Uh, have, you, have we a minute to tell the story of your sister from oh. years ago? Go on, <laughs> tell it, tell me. it. Don't name her. It's one of Louise's sisters. Go on. What happened? My because your dad had... A shop. A shop. In Navin. Yeah. And we all worked there at one stage or another. So my sister was only in her early teens, I think, at this stage. And she was serving in the shop. And this man, who is a lovely man, and she slags him every time she sees him now. He was obviously under pressure. And he came in and he just said, um, cup of tea and a ham sandwich. So she gave him a ham sandwich with about an inch thick of mustard in it. 
and he took one bite and there was smoke coming out of his ears and he was saying, water, water, water. So she handed him the water and she just turned around and said, you'll say please and thank you in the future, won't you? <laughs> Good woman yourself. Good on you, sister of Louise, who shall remain nameless. How many sisters have you? So you have a one in four chance of guessing this afternoon (laughs) if you know them. Anyway, uh, that's almost a lot in late lunch. Titanic experience. I better give the answer first. The Titanic sunk in the month of April. It was actually the 15th of April, 1912. Who's getting the uh, ticket, the family ticket? Uh, Ian McCordick and Slane. Well done to you. And we'll have another family ticket for Titanic to give away with a question on late lunch tomorrow. Thank you for joining us on the show. Back for midweek late lunch Wednesday from half past one. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors, Drogheda, Dundalk and Cavan. We want you to smile with the best deals on a new Renault or Dacia in 2020. You can now inquire at blackstonemotors.ie. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian-developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.